What's up, guys? Four Corners back with another episode. Two-man game this week between myself and Peter. Bucket since 88. What's going on, my guy? What's up, Ray? Um, you know, first uh, kind of down week the Nuggets have had in a while. So kind of a good reality check, I think. But, uh, you know, Wednesday is February 1st, and I'm excited. You know why? Valentine's Day? Is it coming up? <laughs> well, uh, later, but... You should you should think about that. You're, you, you have probably some stuff to do, so... So here's Actually, a good thing about yeah. Here's okay. a good thing about February first. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's payday, but that's not why. I mean, we're used to payday, but February first means when I roll up to the gym, there's going to be ten percent less people in the gym. <laughs> so, so it begins. Yeah, the New Year's resolutions, some of them fall off the wagon. They're fading away. Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. See, without you, our gyms would not be economically viable. Um, and I think this week is probably a big weed out week for a lot of people in the Denver area. We're right back into that uh, single digit, potentially negative lows territory this weekend, and I'm not having a good time. Um, Ray, you know how uh, like stores at the mall will hire extra help just for the holidays? Yes. I wonder if gyms hire more people just in January. I would bet that they do. <laughs> I mean, that would make sense. Um, hmm. That'll be interesting. I, I I wonder if if I mean, how much more do you have to do? Is it more stuff to clean? Do yeah, more weights like to more janitors free rack? I don't know. Yeah, they probably don't. They probably just like guys. It's gonna be a really tough month. Nobody can take time off. Yeah, I just have a, you know employers being like, we're gonna give you extra staffing so you're not overwhelmed. I'm like, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> that happens but um eh, it's, it's it's fine i'm warm enough you know only thing is i'm i'm going back to school this week and it's a it's a funny thing i haven't seen in a long time i'll i'll be around walking in in shorts or under pants under pants and uh yes two pants i'm wearing two pants right now it's it's three degrees in denver uh Ooh. why would you not wear two pairs of pants but then i see Across the way, just a random, you know, young white guy in shorts. It's, oh, yeah. it's always it's always a thing. Uh, I, I just I, I marvel. I marvel at, at they got to prove how tough they are. The mysteries of nature is is what I feel. But um, anyway, so nuggets. You got a long ways to go to get that native sticker, right? I, I do. I, I don't. I, I <laughs> no assumptions about my ability. I got to do some skiing first. I got to try some. Uh, bulls testicles. I've got a. <laughs> uh, I've got more. We got to we gotta put that on video. Oh yeah, yeah. I would. I would. I Ray Von William Hackshaw the third do hereby swear that if I were to eat bulls testicles, I would do so on camera and share fear, it to fear the world. factor four corners edition. Maybe that'll be a summer episode. I mean, if they fry them upright, it's not going to be that bad, right? I hope. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Um, and hopefully it's a it's more successful than the Nuggets have been this week. Um, to recap real quick, just to go down the list, uh, since we've last recorded, the Thunder, kind of a loss. You know, nobody really plays. Jamal Murray, um, Nikola Jokic, most of the team, really, that, that, you, you, that you think about. You know, I think not being in that game, it makes it tough to, to overcome a, a situation like that. And Wait, they lost on. by... I think, you just, I think you just mixed up the... Uh... The Bucks and the Thunder game. Jamal played against the Thunder. Sorry, yes, Jamal did play that game. He kind of was the guy, but a lot yeah. of people didn't. 
Jokic didn't, Mike didn't, I should say. Right. That's right. Um, and they you know, just had a hard time scoring. Um, Thunder are good, man. Thunder are playing better. The Thunder are playing better. And I think they have a lot of size, a lot of physicality. Uh, I think Josh Giddy in particular had a great game where he uh, he's finding his, his stride, I think, as a player, both as a shooter and in his ability to get to the rim and use his body that, uh, you know, use that head of hair of his to shield the ball from defenders. Um, and so, you know, Shea Gill, Shea Gill is just the, the shit words. Shea Gill, just Alexander, uh, also does a great job getting to the kind of that free throw line extended area, making those mid range jumpers. And uh, that's kind of the dagger uh, that he's something that gets with in that game. Uh, so, starting the week hot, but we roll on into a. Wait, 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 uh, I want to no. say one thing about the Thunder real quick. Okay. Uh, this isn't like earth chatting analysis or anything, but. One big advantage the Thunder have over a lot of teams sort of in that middling area in the West is they're a pretty young team. And you're probably going to say, why would that be an advantage? Charles Barkley once said, basketball is a young man's game. You know, the Thunder, their legs aren't tired right now at this point in the season. You know, you look at a team like the Clippers and the Suns, those teams are clearly just like, can we just get to the playoffs? You know, <laughs> the Thunder yeah. are like, we've actually never done anything. So we're still like trying to figure ourselves out you know, we're enjoying this. Mm -hmm. And this is always sort of like a, a loose theory I've had. I feel like young teams don't struggle with the altitude as much. And that sounds obvious, like from a physical standpoint, but I also think it's mental. I think a lot of the veteran teams come into Denver and just are like, oh, we're going to have to give maximum effort to win this game. I don't really want to do that. Whereas you look at the Thunder and they're like, oh, cool. Jokic isn't playing oh, this is a great chance to just play hard and get a win. And so I kind of feel like that's what they did. Yeah, I, I agree with that. On some level, you don't know what you don't know. And when you're young in the league, you don't know. You don't have those internalized memories of, of uh, long nights in Denver playing, you know, high-paced, right. up-and-down basketball, gasping for air. Yep. So um, you can definitely go into it. And they have such they have so many players to get minutes for that. I don't think they're, you know, if anyone needs a break, you definitely have that. It's not like they're shorthanded at all. And um, to that point, you know, the depth inside is where I really feel like they're able to, you know, in a game that Jokic isn't playing in, uh, I think that can be at a point that you can exploit the Nuggets in is, you know, the rebounds, uh, just winning the rebound battle in general, in general against Denver is a pretty good strategy. Right. And, and it's not just that, the veteran teams can't win in Denver. It's it's more that like, I remember hearing guys like, uh, you know, Hall of Famers like KG and Dirk saying towards the end of their careers, it's like, it's not that I can't still play hard every now and then. It's more like, I feel like crap in the morning. You know, you don't recover yeah. the same once you're in your mid thirties versus when you're in your mid twenties. LeBron notably did not play in Denver. Yep, took it down. Yeah, so. Um... That's okay, though. You know, Nuggets still on top of the West. Um, they roll into New Orleans. Uh, did you get to see that game? Uh, I wasn't able to make it in person, but I watched uh, most of the second half on TV. Um, I thought it was – it was a classic kind of Nuggets game where they're like, all right, we're the better team, but we're not going to just come out and stop them. We're just going to give, like, regular season effort and then – Jose Alvarado almost stole the game at the end there. I mean, he, we still can't really guard did. that guy. Pelicans briefly take the lead in the last minute, and then Jokic-Murray two-man game. Jokic gets the ball, floater range, nails it. 
Nuggets get a big stop. You know, and that, that's a big road win. Like, analyzing each game, you know, who's in, who's out. Yeah, the Pelicans didn't have the full squad, but getting road wins, especially in the West, especially against a team that's also trying to get home court, is it's a big win. You know, they're, they all count the same at the end of the season, right? We all know that. So gives the Nuggets another game cushion. And uh, once they knew, once they won that game, I kind of felt like the rest of the road trip was gravy. I had a, I had a feeling they would just, you know, rest everybody for the Bucks game, which is, you know, I, I'm not going to go like go a whole down rabbit hole about that schedule game because it's already been complained about enough by everybody. But, you know, to at least get that first one in New Orleans was big. I haven't complained about it. I mean, it's not a great look, but at the same time, if you're a schedule maker, and you schedule a game like that, don't be surprised <laughs> when players don't always show up to play. I mean, in fairness, I don't know if anybody has taken this corner yet, but if you just do the math and you look at the schedule, like everybody has back-to-backs, everybody's going to get screwed over at some point. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like old man yelling at cloud. If we complain about the schedule too much, like everybody's going to have some rough spots. So yeah, the there's, there's really only two solutions. One is you shorten the season or two is, you lengthen the season to make for more rest days. So unless the NBA does either of those two things, this is just a reality that, you know, is going to have to be dealt with. And the teams that have more depth are, are going to do better in the over the course of the long season. Yeah, I actually don't. Um, I mean, under the parameters that I'm sure they have, uh, the schedule makers, you know, I'm, they're trying their best, I hope. Um, it just is what it is as far as like, you know, players are going to rest and that's okay. It's not the end of the world. And it sucks. I think if you're personally affected, uh, if say you go to a game, you expect to see a certain player and they don't play, that's disappointing. Uh, at the same time, we were working on a better solution. And as you just mentioned, like there aren't too many that we're willing and able to go through with from a league wide standpoint. So. Yeah, so I, I felt like the Nuggets played the Bucks really well. I mean, I to, to transition to to you know getting on to it a little bit. Um, I thought that Aaron Gordon in particular, I thought he stepped up in a big way as far as matching the physicality of Giannis, especially after the first quarter. Um, can he give you like a mini stonk report? Mm-hmm. Yeah, stonks down on Jeff Green. Stonks down on Jeff Green this week. I'm sorry. Oh man, Shocker. he's not. The 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 effort is not there. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm not mad at him. Um, I would be okay if he just kind of sat out to the playoffs. Uh, That's kind of where I am. Um, Well, it's a bummer because, you know, you've made the joke before, like he's got the gas tank of a moped. I kind of feel like he has the top end speed of a moped too. At this point, it's like, can he even get on the highway anymore? From a mobility standpoint, yeah. I, I think there were some plays uh, throughout the week, really, that Jeff Green got taken off the dribble by guys who aren't particularly fast. And, you know, maybe he made the right angles, but just didn't have the foot speed to keep up with. Um, but he was trying so much harder earlier, so I want to give him that credit and believe that he still has that in him. Um However, I do think there's a limited amount of it left in like on a per month, per game, per season basis. I mean, 
if you if you think about this in terms of where Paul Millsap was in his like age 36 season, I mean, he also yeah. had uh, a fresher start to the season and kind of hit a point midway through where you're like, okay, you know, he's not he's conserving himself for the playoffs and you know playoffs roll around and he doesn't even have that switch to flip so uh not mad at him just uh i would prefer he saved whatever he has left for you know crunch time for bigger games for playoff moments you know yeah i mean i'm hoping that he still has like at least one more good stretch of basketball because you know, you brought up Millsap. I actually thought about him before you even said him. I was like, you know, with Millsap, he's always been such a good defender that he's often in the right places. So when mm-hmm. those players age, it's like very gradual. And I right. think same thing with Jeff Green. Like he's been around so long. Like he knows what to do. He knows where to be. It's just, just because your mind tells you to go there, your body isn't getting there like it was when it was 25. So it's important that Moch keeps his minutes down and doesn't play him for extended stretches to get the best out of him. Yes, yes. Sometimes your mind tells you yes and your body tells you go sit down. My mind's telling me no. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, down the stretch, you know, the Bucks kind of close it out. But um, I think, so again, this is the through line for this week for me is that when the nuggets come up against players who, you know, genuine seven footers who can dominate on the inside, especially either in the minutes that Jokic isn't in the game or uh, in the games that he sits out, you know, it's really hard for Denver to overcome that. They don't have um, Michael Malone loves the, the, the smaller, the three guard lineup. Um, And, to some extent, we don't have too many op- we the Nuggets don't have too many options uh, to go to when size is kind of mandated. Uh, I think DeAndre Jordan, you know, similarly with him, it's a situation where what do you expect from DeAndre Jordan? It's not that I think he's playing poorly. I think he's playing better as well as he can, if not better. Um, it's just to say, I kind of feel like he's more of a third center in the sense that. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who, you know, in a pinch, he can be your backup. Uh, and if there's one weakness, I guess, on the roster right now, I would say, and maybe we can get into this conversation a little bit later uh, after our break, but the Nuggets don't really have a big man behind Jokic that I feel comfortable playing for extended lengths for starting in, in Jokic's place. Zeke Naji has played well, but um, I think when it comes to guys you know, teams like the Bucks, uh, teams like the Thunder, uh, even the Pelicans to some extent, you know, if you can beat the Nuggets on the boards, you can kind of, I think that's the route that all of the other things can flow from for Denver. Yeah. I mean, I think Zeke's played pretty well lately, but you're right. The rebounding is an issue and it definitely has kind of a trickle down effect. I mean, he's always kind of been better when he gets to play the four. So He's been doing a good job. I, I still like him. Yeah, um, he's working hard, shooting the ball well, you know. But, yeah, ideally, defense. like, as soon as Jokic leaves the floor, you can tell we're just smaller. You know, there's definitely a drop-off there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even, I mean, to kind of get to the 76ers games, in the games that Jokic does play, if you want to beat the Nuggets, you can do so if you can dominate on the inside. And I think, um, you know, uh, both of our eyebrows are raising, but Joel Embiid got us. 
That's pretty one. rare, though. I mean, it is. I don't disagree, but how many teams have a Joel Embiid? You know, there's he's a, a hand, one of a one, handful, right? A handful like Giannis, yeah, Joel Embiid, uh, Anthony Davis when he has the support of other seven footers around him to kind of do his yeah. dirty work. Um, sure. and, and I think that's the kind of the thing is like if you can bring him, if you can someone who can kind of match Jokic and then bring in other bigs to even like layer on on top of that, I think that's a good strategy. And, and so like to look when I look at the trade deadline, it's also one of the things that I would look, you know, if they're going to solve like one thing, it would be it would be that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like it's not it's not a perfect reason series by series but if i look at the nuggets playoff losses each year of the Jokic era mm-hmm. i kind of feel like each team we lost to out physical us. you know I, I, agree. I feel like that's the common denominator the lakers series is the most obvious you know i mean they were just huge though you're playing 80 with javel mcgee or dwight howard and then lebron at the three like that's just massive and then they were still big in the backcourt too with kcp and caruso you right. know um last year the the Warriors aren't gigantic inside, but they did such a good job being physical with Aaron Gordon that I kind of felt like them taking him out of the series was like the difference, you know, because the Nuggets, the Nuggets played closer in that series than I thought we would. Like that was actually a good sign to me going into this year. And then of course the first playoff run losing to the Blazers, it was Rodney Hood, right? It was like Rodney Hood beating up on a young and thin Jamal Murray at the time, you know, and that was really good for him because then he finally ended up getting in the weight room. And not and, that you know, like becoming the player he is today. Not that Nurkic outplayed Jokic, but I think we he's didn't another guy. He's cancer. Yeah, <laughs> cancer. Sorry. Um, not that right, not that Nurkic ever outplays Jokic, but also with cancer, like you know, if you've got bigs to throw at Jokic, it's helpful. You've got a chance. Yeah. You know, when you have no chance is when you like don't have that. When you don't have any uh, means of either contesting Jokic or leveraging the players around him's weaknesses to make it so that he can't be the backbreaker, which I think is what Golden State was able to do. Yeah, so Ray, I I know you already talked about Embiid a little bit, but when we get into this game, if it's all right with you, I kind of want to set the table a little bit more. So going into this game, the NBA is calling it rivalry week, right? It's like, oh, we'll have Lakers-Celtics and – Hmm. Jokic is the back-to-back MVP, and the other guy that he's basically beaten out for the award is MVP. Let's uh, let's let's face these two off against each other. Which you know, saw a lot of like this is for the MVP chatter. Right. You know, I not a bad idea in spirit. I mean, good for marketing. Um, it's kind of interesting because they're peers, and I think they definitely respect each other's games a lot. But I don't think Jokic or Embiid look at each other as as rivals. I mean, at least Jokic for sure does not look at Embiid as like a rival. You know, he looks at it like we've never gone to the finals. I'm trying to make it out the West first, you know, one step at a time. Can I make an anime comparison? You might even know this one. You might. Jokic is Goku. uh, Joel Embiid is Vegeta. And if you know, you know. I've heard of Goku, but never the other So basically, Vegeta is this character who is like perennial in the background. He has all he has a better like uh, reputation by lineage and all these sorts of things. And uh, through some form or another, Goku is just like always coming out on top and doesn't feel, you know, while Vegeta is very like wants to be the best and it's important to him. And, you know, he's competitive and he calls 
Goku out a lot of times. Goku doesn't, he's just kind of lighthearted. He doesn't really care about the personal beef. He just wants to be the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. And that oftentimes just kind of makes him the best. And that, you know, um, it's just like the narrative that they have. Yeah. So going into the game, I want to give you sort of my headspace and outlook because okay. this game really was sort of, I think Nuggets fans were placing a lot of importance on this game. Um, you know, on the one hand, you've got both teams pretty much coming in healthy. So it's like the first time that the Nuggets have like a big test, you know, measuring stick game as they call it. And I've always thought that's been a little bit overrated for the regular season. It's like, yeah, it's a big game, but you're still just, you know, it's one game out of 82 and you're trying to build chemistry and get through the regular season. But I was right. interested to see how the Nuggets would approach it. And if I'm being honest, I kind of thought like third game of a road trip, you know, early start time for a West Coast team, the Sixers might just, you know, take the opening tip here and and establish and beat early and just run away with this one. And to my surprise, the Nuggets actually came out and were firing all Siddlers, you know, sharing the ball, playing Nuggets basketball. And Bede was doing his thing, but he didn't really have a lot of help. And the Nuggets got off to a big lead. Sixers clawed back. And then the Nuggets go on a run again and go up by 15 in the third quarter. And I'm thinking, wow, they're just like showing that they're the better team here. Uh, There was a play in the third quarter. Nuggets get a stop. Bruce Brown has a three when they're up 15, barely misses. And then Niang comes down, hits a three in the corner, cuts it to 12. I thought that was a really crucial play. And then the Sixers kind of went on a run and, uh, they end up, you know, Doc makes some adjustments. He takes Embiid off Jokic, puts P.J. Tucker on him, and has Embiid just kind of guard, you know, the baseline. And I thought it was really smart because, you know, it made me think, like, maybe teams should put their best rim protector at the rim because Jokic so often has that easy pass to Aaron Gordon, which is on max two points. It's like, yeah, Jokic might go off, but as good as his floater is, he's not going to shoot 100% on it. So, you know, Jokic, I know a lot of fans were upset with him maybe not being super aggressive. Um, I don't think he gave playoff intensity energy, but he played pretty well. I, You know, but he even himself would tell you probably he didn't have the best second half. So, right. I was disappointed to get the loss, but I, the way the whole game played out, I kind of felt like I was okay with it because the Nuggets showed that they – are right there. Like if you have a 15 point lead on the road against a team that's playing as good, the Sixers are you're for real. And so if this, if these two teams were to meet in the finals, I feel like it'd be a very, very close. Like both teams are pretty close. I think. I agree. Um, uh, let me touch on this a little bit earlier. I feel like Jeff Green didn't have the best game from like an, an effort perspective, yeah. but um, Michael Porter played and played well. Uh, I thought that was Mm -hmm. good to see kind of him getting back into swing of things, go seven for 11 from the field, you know, 55% from three. So uh, that's nice to see. And Bones Highland, I think he hit some big shots. It wasn't the most efficient night for him. Uh, And overall, like it's not one of those situations where watching it, you know, take it out of the context of the MVP race, take it out of the context of the like hype machine that Joel Embiid can generate we're going to forget about this. It's not going to matter too much at the end of the year. And I think that even for the MVP race, I don't think this really decides it in the way that people think it does. 
you know, it, it's a factor. Right. People will say, oh, you remember that game where Joel Embiid played better, but it's also like, it's a game in January. Um, I don't think any of them are going to stand out too much. Yeah, I mean, I think if these teams were to play in the finals, both guys are going to go off. Like, you really can't stop either guy, you know. Uh, Yoke, uh, Embiid would probably every single game have at least 30 points against us, but you can't let him get to 44, right? That's just, that's too many. So he was the difference in the game. I also thought the Nuggets did a poor job on the glass. Uh, you know, the Sixers had a lot of second chance points that were kind of backbreakers. Um, you know, obviously, Doc, I talked earlier about Doc making the adjustment, but, uh, you know, I want to make a couple analogies real quick. Uh, one football analogy. But uh, stick with me, Miroslav, if you're listening. I think you'll understand this one. So in college football, you every team is scheduled to play 12 games a year. And for the top teams, every single game is a big game, right? Because you're trying to win the national championship. And if you lose, you might be out of the race. Well, every year, these teams have a game or two on their schedule where they're playing somebody who's not very good. But for that team, it's like their Super Bowl. So they go all out. You know, and that's not a hundred percent fair comparison here because both teams are good. But when the Nuggets went up 15, I was kind of wondering, I was like, wait a minute, are the Sixers going to roll over like they have in the past? Or are they going to punch back? And they punched back. So my other analogy was like, that game actually reminded me a lot of like a, a, a fight in boxing or an MMA where it's like, you can tell one guy's clearly ahead, but instead of going for the knockout, he's like, you know what? I'm ahead on the scorecards. I'm just going to coast. And oftentimes you win those games, but when you coast, you could get hit with that right hook that you didn't see him coming and get knocked out. And that, I think that's what happened in the Nuggets. You know, we had control of the game. We just couldn't close the deal and we got caught. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you ever, you played, you play basketball in high school, sometimes you're on JV and you, you practice or something against varsity. And for you on JV, you're like, Oh, this is it. This is the intensity. I got to play, play hard and try to embarrass them because that's just, I don't know. This is what one does. Or, or uh, anytime maybe you go up, I think a lot of put kids, people put their kids in sports and try to put them in a higher age bracket, for example, where, yeah, they're not expected to succeed, but it's a big deal for them personally, and it's probably a better learning experience. So uh, I, I can understand how Philly would be extra motivated for this kind of thing. Um, and I don't care because I'm the varsity player. We're the That's who the Nuggets are in this situation. I think that, uh, yeah, we're just going to, be okay. Ray, um, you totally just triggered me. I just thought about this one time when uh, I was a junior in practice and I made a nice move, crossed the kid up, scored mm-hmm. a layup, and coach stopped practice and started yelling at the varsity. He's like, what are you guys doing? Just let Peter come through the lane like that. He's not very good. <laughs> I, like, I love it. Because, like, are, are you, I'm, in a way, it's kind of like shit got you. <laughs> Oh, 100%. Because I'm quiet. I'm sitting there. I'm I, I'm supposed to take it. I'm not going to talk back to my coach. But in my head, I'm like, damn, like, I thought it was a nice move. But okay, I guess he's a bum because he let me score. But you're like, you're like, you, not become, about me. The, you become the shovel with which they bury um, uh, this other, other person. So it's kind of like, you feel good, but you also feel bad. It um, made me like want to do it again. And then, of course, I couldn't. So I guess he was right. It was a one-off. Well... I think you're good at basketball. That's just my personal opinion. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Uh, thank you. Coming thank from you. East Coast, that's like Stanford approval there. You know, I know you guys have a different brand of ball out there. 
we are we are hoopers um but yeah uh let's take a quick break and then on the other side we'll uh talk about some like broader scope topics for you know the nuggets going into the trade deadline and just kind of general themes for the season and we are back so the word on the street is the Nuggets are l- not looking to, but considering offers, uh, considering making calls, yeah, sniffing around, uh, seeing what the you know what people are thinking about the trade value of Bones Highland. Now, this is a tough uh, thing to talk about because I think we as Nuggets fans we love Bones Highland. I mean, not many rookies come into the game like screaming Mile High City and Mike on, on, on opening night. And I think that's, you know, I, I, I first thing I want to talk about is that there is some emotional connection that I think Bones and the city of Denver have that I think makes having any kind of trade discussions hard, like muddled a little bit. For sure. Um, but I guess first thing I'll ask you before I answer myself is like, what do you think Bones Highlands trade value is right now? Uh, what do you think it could be in the future? And I guess I'll just ask you know, flat out, would you trade him and why? For what, et cetera? I think his value right now is like a good bench player mm-hmm. or a late first round pick. I don't think a team's giving up a lottery pick for him. Um, you know, first round picks are they're pretty hoarded, even though they're like, they're, they're treated as really valuable, but I think it's kind of proven over time that like, they're only valuable if they're like top 10 picks usually. So they, they probably don't move as much as they should. It's usually like a team going all in that moves them. But I also just want to be very clear about something just so Nuggets fans don't freak out. It's Calvin Booth's job to call around and like gauge interest like what do you think about this guy do your due diligence for sure right he's actually like basically laying the groundwork just to know where he stands if you were to ask any person in the nuggets front office right now i don't think a single one of them says yeah we want to trade bones highland it's more like if something goes south or if the right thing comes on the table this is what we could do you don't want to come to the trade table you know thinking you have all this good stuff lined up and then it's like actually you don't have enough we want this this and this so that's kind of where everything is right now um because as you know the trade season is crazy like we see we see all these rumors ahead of time of like oh well this guy's an expiring or this guy's not happy here but then random guys pop up all today i, I just saw earlier today that uh josh hart might get moved by the blazers so i was like oh my god josh hart would be amazing for us um i don't think he would fit you know in our uh, trade exception, we'd have to give up like a real piece to get them. But, you know, to move on to your second question of like, do I think we should move bones? You know, it's going to be unpopular, but I kind of think we, I kind of think we should. Like, I kind of think that his potential might not get reached in Denver. And I think his weaknesses are definitely going to, going to show in a playoff series. Like teams would target him. Um, you know, it would hurt to move him, but if the right deal, I'm not saying like we have to move him. I'm saying if the right deal is there, I would rather have a player who's a little bit bigger, you know, a little sturdier on defense, hopefully that can still do some shot creation or, you know, you just have to, you just have to hope Murray can figure it out. Cause Murray's been 
he's been better, but he's kind of been a little up and down lately. Mm-hmm. You need, I mean, I know we all trust Murray, but Murray needs to be good in the non-Jokic minutes for this to work. Yeah. Uh, actually, to talk about that for like a moment, I I'm, I was really proud of Jamal uh, this past week when he got his first triple-double uh, for a lot of yeah. the reasons that I think about with Jokic, with Aaron Gordon, in the way that they're able to dominate the paint and leverage that not just for themselves, but also to set up others. Um, where in a lot of cases, Jamal's best games, uh, great games from him, he, when Jokic is in the game, involve really being an outlet for him, being a score for him and being a counterpunch. But what I think Jamal really needs, what I'm looking for most of all, is for him to really reach that point of consistency from a mental and emotional standpoint of playing under control. And yes, I love when he can make the step backs and the reverse pivots and all these like weird, deep, broadly uh, ranging moves that he has in his bag. It's just the, it's not what I think is going to make him the like, the first option when Jokic is off the floor that we want him to be. Uh, and, and to tie that back in with Bones, so I actually would not trade Bones right now. And not for nothing, not, not you know, there's not, there is a context in which I would trade Bones. It's probably like some kind of meaningful upgrade for the team. Like say, hypothetically, this is not what I want to do, but if it happened, I would understand. Say you wanted to trade Michael Porter and you wanted to add in Bones Island, and you use that, and you went out and got, like, a Kevin Durant or, like, a like a genuine bona fide. Oh, you're talking, like, like big-time trades. Right. If you're, like, big game hunting out in the trade market, and you, that, I think that might be fruitful enough for Denver in a way where, like, that would be good value for Bones right now. I would, I would be open to that. But, like, um, an extra first-round pick in the middle or the back half of the draft next year or the year after, that that doesn't interest me too much. I mean... Um, no, I don't think the Nuggets are trading for draft picks right now. That wouldn't make any sense. If we could fleece someone, like if 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 the Washington Wizards said, hey, we'll give you Monte Morris back for Bones Highland and we'll add in, you know, a top 15 pick next year, top 15 pick the year after that. I don't think that's allowed this year. I think you have to wait wow. at least a year before you can like have the same player play for you that was traded. But I've got a I've got a tough one for you, okay? But you get what I mean as far as like if you're if you can get a great haul for him, yes. Would you trade Bones Highland for Alex Caruso? No. Why would I do that? See, that's the thing. Alex Caruso is a because role player. He's not gonna make mistakes because yeah, he's but gonna I feel you. But we have we have Alex Caruso at home. <laughs> you I know, Alex like... Caruso is replaceable in a way that I think Bones Highland isn't. And in particular, I think it's that we don't have that many players who are great in consistent offensive engines. Like Jokic is one of those things. Aaron Gordon can kind of do that sometimes in the way that he can and is willing to be aggressive and dominate the paint. Uh, Jamal Murray has tapped it on occasion. Like I think that triple that triple double night for him was one of those nights. Um, but in a lot of cases, he's get even when he's eating alone, it's in step back shots. It's in double verse. It's in getting tough looks for himself, not necessarily for others. Where I think Bones Highland 
his ability to, to penetrate the lane, to get into the paint and, and not just create for himself. Yes, he can do that. And I think how he does it is a lot of those things is him leveraging his three point shot to, and his quickness to get into the main, but the consistency that he can do that with, I think is way less replaceable than like an Alex Caruso or a Nas Reed or like, like a backup big or a role player that I think are just kind of out there. You can go out and get an Andre Drummond and I would feel pretty good about the backup center position. You could just play Christian Brown more and I would feel pretty good about like two guard defense and not making mistakes and that sort of thing. I think those guys kind of exist more readily than you can find a Bones Highland or someone of that caliber. No, that's fair. But I mean, I'm glad we finally disagree on something because yeah, while no, the skill set might be somewhat more replaceable, I just feel like I feel like Bones' scoring is a luxury. I mean, I know mm-hmm. the bench struggled at the beginning of the year, but I think if you have the big four healthy, mm-hmm. you know, and you get you get Bruce in there, you get Zeke in there, um, along with the bench, I think Murray, I think Murray can hold it down enough. I just think that there's it's more likely that Bones loses you games in the playoffs with his defense than he does win you games with his offense. So maybe that's glass half empty or short sighted, but I just I'm just not confident in uh in us being able to go all the way with him being heavily involved. Hmm. That's fair. I mean, I think I'm sure opinion opinions out there will differ. Um and you know, the few times this week I've been on Twitter, they're definitely out there different. <laughs> um, but but I guess I, I kind of need to clear up my position though. I don't think the bone I don't think the nuggets should be like actively pursuing we have to get rid of bones. This is not panic trade time. This is like mm-hmm. do your diligence. If the right trade comes along, I'm okay with parting with him. If there's nothing you like, keep him, ride it out, you know. You know, we talked a lot about championship windows this summer. And to me, it's like this team is, they're right on the brink. But if you can make an all-in move, great. But don't make a dumb move that's going to hinder you long-term because you still got Zeke and Bones under control next year at a good number. You know, if it doesn't work out this year, you can still tweak the roster over the summer. You know, apparently uh, Mason Plumley is available for a first-round pick. Oh, I you know what that I mean? Hilarious. That's, that's the kind of like thing we could get for for instance for Bose Highland, which you know for so like let's not do that. You know, can we not? Yeah, that, that's just where I am. Well, so, you know, fascinating how the league goes in cycles because you know I was listening to Hoop Collective the other day and Windhorse was mm-hmm. talking about how like expiring contracts aren't really like valuable commodities anymore in the trade market because GMs have gotten a lot better. Nobody's like screwed up their cap so poorly that they just no one's handing out you know timothy mozgov hundred million dollar contracts anymore right and so the reason i brought that up is like i think gms have also caught on the fact that now it's like oh we want to trade mason Plumley. let's give him an extra five minutes a game let's feed him the ball in the post look he had 17 and 10 it's like hey i think he's had one of the most like historically efficient weeks of all time that's what i'm saying like i don't want to shit on mace like he's a solid role player but I definitely think you know for a fact that guys' value is like getting pumped up around this time of year. It's like if a guy wasn't playing much and now he's playing all of a sudden and he's playing well, it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> when like if you haven't, if you're unfamiliar with Mason Plumley's game, little would you know, despite having the most efficient, you know, week of all time, 
Mason can't shoot. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you want to like that lefty J. I guess technically that is throwing the ball in the basket. Um, all right. If all right, I make you, a, I'm gonna make up a game on the fly. If you're okay. playing horse with Mason Plumley and neither person is allowed to take any shots inside the paint, could you beat him in mm -hmm. horse? See, this is a messed up question because you're setting me <laughs> up to say yes, and I want to <laughs> say yes, but I'll I also yes. don't want to be, I don't want to be the Brian Scalabrini target fan guy who was like oh yeah i can you know this this and that versus an nba player and you know yeah, that's different. i don't want to i don't want to get caught up being a worse shooter than mason Plumley. i don't want that on my name you know what if he, what if he calls me out what if he comes down to denver he's like hey man i heard you were talking shit let's go <laughs> three-point competition and i lose a three-point competition to mason Plumley. oh that's true that didn't they say that Dwight Howard was like wet from three pointers in practice? Yeah, so I don't like... want I I believe that. Like I believe that. I think that Mason Plumley in an open gym setting with time to warm up is probably a better shooter than me. He's an NBA player. He's making millions of dollars. He has time to spend in the gym. I do not. You know, I don't want to. So I'm not taking That's the bait. Probably enough Mason Plumley talk for a podcast. I'm not taking the bait. Yeah, let's. So all I'm saying is. If you go out and you trade for, say you trade for Alex Caruso, I just don't know what he gives us that we don't already have. Um, if you go out and trade defender and ball handler. We have a lot of those already. <laughs> I mean, the, at the two in particular, like if it was Lonzo Ball, you know, and Lonzo Ball was if it was a healthy Lonzo Ball, you could go out and get for a Bones Highland and their contracts made sense. I would do that. But um, I just think Bones is kind of a mark right now. And I just don't know if he's at the right maturity level, like to be a championship caliber player. Hey, you know what would pump up his trade value though? Hmm. A championship. Oh my goodness. All I'm saying is, this is also, in my opinion, not like the I get high it. point. I get it for the vibes. You want him value. to be here for... No, no, no. I mean, not just the vibes. I think just asset management. I don't think this is like the sell high point on Bones Highland. I think okay, he's played pretty well in the playoffs previously. Uh, you have time also. I mean, we're, this is his second year. You have two, three more years of team control. Uh, I, hope so I right. feel like you have time for him to have a good playoff series another a second one because he's he's had good playoff games in the past which i think is also big you know compared you know you compare him to Zeke Naji for example Zeke Naji didn't play a whole lot in his first two years bones has played a decent amount he's got good tape yeah. on him you can kind of project what he could be for a washington for an atlanta for you know some other team that is looking for another ball handler guard score what have you um, so I think that he's had, given that he's played well in the playoffs previously, I'm still curious as to what he can do this season. And if it were me, I would sit him down and say, Hey, maybe you don't want to, maybe you're not going to reach your full potential here. Stick it out with us. We're going to get you a championship or at least put you in a position to show out in a way that you will not be able to show out in Orlando. You will not be able to show out in some bottom feeder team where they're you're not right. going to get playoff experience or eyes on you or whatever uh and you have 
you're saying there's more value in, in him playing well in the playoffs. And, you know, depending on what happens, your value will be higher and maybe you can go to more places and have more choices, you know, next year, the year yeah. after. And we still have time to negotiate in a way from a position of strength right? Uh, that I think will be fruitful for him. So not to say that we can't trade him because I think, you know, especially in that last year of his contract, the year before that, I think I think a year and a half is kind of the target for me as far as like, are you going to sign him? If not, you probably do want to trade him away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember RJ Hampton was like thankful to the oh, Nuggets. Oh, we, we sold high we on RJ Hampton. Cause, cause yeah. Cause he was going to get minutes. So bones is already getting minutes, but yeah, I, I like that idea. Maybe sit him down and say like, Hey, I know you're not getting as many minutes as you want, but if you can lock in with us this year, you know, you could really help us win. And then that's going to only raise your stock. Right. Um, that would be ideal. And, and for the record, I am rooting for that. I am. I yeah, am rooting no for one in Denver to figure it out, you know, and to not be the mark on defense and, and hopefully be the guy that can help us get over the mountaintop. I'm just telling you that I'm skeptical. That's fair. Do that? That's fair. I'm also the guy that believed in Bull Bull. So we'll see. There you go. <laughs> um. And so, I mean, talking about trades in general, so have you developed any strong feelings about what Denver should be doing at the trade deadline, what they should be thinking about, what they should be looking for? It's so tough. Like, I keep going back and forth every day, you know, of uh, do we need a backup center? Do we need another guard? Do we need to do anything? And, you know, the more and more I, I see Zeke play, the more and more confident I am in him. I just don't love the seek Jeff minutes, but I don't think Mochi is going to trust Lotko over Jeff. So, you know, would the Nuggets trade Jeff Green? I don't know if they would, because that would kind of force him to play Vlako. So I don't know. Is that I, bad? I think I guess <laughs> the the movable pieces we have are basically Jeff Green, Bones Highland, and Ish Smith's contract. You know, I think we had like damn, not uh, even Ishmith. You just said Ishmith's contract. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a playoff rotation player. He, yeah, you know, no, I understand. I understand. I mean, David, <laughs> we have Davon Reed to trade too if we need, but it's like he's more I of just, a he's like a placeholder. I I'm like ninety percent sure, right, that the Nuggets weren't going to do anything big. They might make a move. I where agree. They, they move one rotation piece to get back another rotation piece. But I think it's more likely we either do like a small move for just like a depth piece or even just like a buyout guy. You know, I, the buyout market is so weird because you never know like a, how many guys are going to get bought out B where do they want to go? We've never really been in this position where we're like the top seed. So do guys want to go to Denver, you know, more than they have in the past, but it's almost, it's a case by case basis, right? Each guy is different yeah. than what they want. But we, I think we do have the benefit of good – we have, I would say, a solid decade of good PR as far as being the team that takes care of its guys. Um, yeah. Thanks to Tim Conley. You know, I appreciate that, and I think that maybe that can help. Uh, people talk a lot about, you know, Jim uh, – sorry, Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan. You know, their uh, experiences here. They're guys who talk a lot around the league and communicate with each other about, you know, what's a cool place to be. Uh, Bruce Brown as well. You know, I think maybe they whisper in some ears and uh, there are, I think people will talk about Denver as a place where like, you know, they're contending. You have one of the best players in the world. 
uh, on top of another bunch of other talented players who can kind of accentuate your game, whatever your game might be. Um, so I could I could understand a buyout guy coming to Denver for sure. Um, I, I, one, one last thing I, I think that's really important to touch on here. If you get a buyout guy, that's fine. That's like, it's like a low cost move. But if you make any mm -hmm. kind of deal where you're giving up any kind of assets, you better be sure that Booth has talked to Malone about it because the last thing we want is another JaVale McGee situation where you're giving up second round picks. Granted, they're just second round picks, but then he doesn't even play them. It's like, you know, that was. I mean, Nikola Jokic where, was a second round pick. Like, okay, but. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's hyperbolic, but you like. You get my point, right, Ray? It's like, it's I don't not know to say they don't matter. talk to Malone about that. It's like, right. You know, it's, should JaVale have played more? I don't know. It probably doesn't make a difference, but it's like. It's just a shame to get to waste to say to send the asset and then not really, right? Use it, it is poor asset management to make a move not in lockstep with your coach in such a way that like yeah. they're not going to be properly utilized by their coach, regardless of how talented they may or may not be. And how I'm much not too worried about it though, because I think if we've learned anything from Calvin Booth is like he wants to get bigger and longer and and bring in defense. So if we do bring anybody in, it's going to be somebody that. He's a veteran fits. that that plays defense. Yeah, yeah, that fits into what Denver needs in terms of like at least at the center position, it's the physicality, the rebounding. Hopefully, you can space the floor, but like as long as you can be, even just like a role man yeah. who, you know, is decent. I think like that's we're fine. not trading for Jordan Clarkson, and if we do, then I'll eat the Bulls' testicles. I. <laughs> okay. Well, I. Hopefully they fry them up well in New Orleans. Um, mm. You'll have to ship <laughs> I mean, down here. They FedEx. probably do. They probably do. I would bet if I had to eat bull's testicles, I'd probably like to eat them in New Orleans more than one of the Cajun seasoning. Yeah, that'd be a little yeah. Better. I think so. I think they'd fry it up right. They bread it right the, the right way. I, I don't know. I think it would be not that bad. Um, the last thing I kind of want to touch on is uh, I kind of want to shout out Michael Porter Jr. You know, kind of talking about Bones Highland as a guy who I think they're going through some similar things as far as having to take a level of maturity to, you know, take a step back and not be for the first time in their lives the best player on their team and be the quote-unquote the guy and, you know, take a smaller role that maybe isn't commensurate with their talent levels for the sake of success, for the sake of, you know, winning a championship and all that good stuff. I mean. I, I don't want to let it be uh, like undervalued how resilient he, Michael Porter has been mentally uh, through the back surgeries, through his personal challenges, uh, through the way fans, I think, put a lot of pressure on him to be this, um, be a guy worthy of the contract that he received, especially in the context of his health, which, you know, on some levels out of control, but out of, out of his control. Um, I think it's, it's commendable that he's able to come off, you know, a few nights off and a lot of like personal distractions into a great game and still be able to produce and produce with the consistency that he has in his career. Really, whenever he's on the floor, uh, I think he's been bought in under Michael Malone as far as like, regardless of his ability to read defense as well, he's trying on defense, you know, and I think he's come a long way in that aspect. He's rebounding the ball. He's still the shooter that he's always been. So um, even Mike at the level that he's at in my mind is worth the money that we're paying him. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's, as you talked about, he's overcome a lot of obstacles so far in his career and his life. And I, I think the the best thing to showcase how much he's grown is the way Michael Malone talks about him, right? And like, I just don't think Michael Malone is a bullshitter. Like, I get it. If you're an NBA head coach, there's some things you can't be 100% honest with the media about. But he was pretty tough on him early in his career. And he would bench him sometimes. And he would even say, like, oh, he's not doing this. He's not doing that. And he has talked in the past year about how proud he is of him, how hard he's working, how much better he's gotten at, like, all mm-hmm. parts of the game. And I don't think that's just, you know, coach speak. I really think he believes that because – Let's be honest, like the NBA is a business at the end of the day. And if he didn't think Michael Porter was good enough, he they had chances to trade him. I mean, before he got hurt last year, his stock was pretty high. The Nuggets could have said, you know what, it's time to pivot. Nope, they maxed him out. Unfortunately, he gets hurt not that long after. Nuggets Nation is like freaking out. But, uh, you know, we're in the situation where he's basically here trade value is lower, but you know, he's still in the fight. He's still trying to make the best out of the situation in his career. And so even though Malone kind of has to, you know, have his back now, cause it's like, we got the contract. I really do think he believes that. I don't think he's like, this guy's a lost cause. He really does think that he's like an important part of this team. And I do as well. I mean, I don't think we're going to find, you know, another player who I think is about to be paid maybe if not the same amount, but more, Jeremy Grant, it seems to be on deck for a max contract from Portland. And while I think you could argue that Jeremy's grown, grown a lot since he's come into the league and expanded in all these different ways, you know, no, I don't think there's a better shooter we could have at the, at the small forward spot, who is also 6'10", who's also rebounding at the level that he is. Um, and, I, you know, it, it'd be hard unless... You know, I did mention earlier, you out, you find Kevin Durant. Okay, I get it. That's Kevin Durant. But short of that, I don't think there is a, a middling sort of small forward option that, that makes Denver a better team than they already are now. Um, and sure. to, to, give, to give Bones some fairness in what he's about to have to deal with as far as his touches and his sort of uh, growth as a player in this league, Denver had the luxury of being able to give Michael Porter a contract up front where he didn't have to worry about, you know, how many shots am I getting? How many, what's my Mm -hmm. points per game? You know, what's my agent talking to me about in the way that I think for bones, he is going to have, he is going to have a lot of that pressure because bone, you know, I it's Denver's ability to give him whatever contract he wants. is going to be, a lot more tenuous i'll say that i mean they're gonna have his bird rights so you know if they want to go a golden state route where they super inflate their cap that's possible but it's certainly not a guarantee and i think that puts a lot more ambiguity in his future and that's going to be something that is challenging for him in a way that i think it maybe it even wasn't challenging for mike yeah he's in a tough position because you know I do want Bones to do well in his career. And, you know, I don't know if you saw this the other day, but uh, I might have called Bones a diva and uh, not necessarily get a back down from that statement. But, you know, if if you're as confident as he is and you're one of the top sophomores in the NBA, most guys in that position are, are getting starters minutes by now and, and proving their worth. And Bones just isn't being given that full opportunity because we're trying to win at the highest level. So he's right. kind of stuck in a, in a tricky situation. Um, 
I don't think he's handled it the best, but I don't think he's lost him yet. I think he's still in the fight, and uh, he just needs to stretch to some good games. You know, we got some home games coming up. I think, and uh, Bones, you know, Bones usually plays better at home, so I'm excited to hopefully get some home cooking. And I think he's been pretty fine when he's playing. Like, occasionally gets hurt or something, but like he's doing most of what I feel like I need him to do. Sophomore ups um, and downs, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even when the games he's not shooting well, I mean, he's still getting into the lane. He's still creating for others. He's still making DeAndre Jordan a competent NBA big man somehow. Um, <laughs> the shade. So, I mean, it's not shade. It's it's just where he is in his career. I mean, it's not. Well, he's not playing much, so we can't really complain about it too much. No. Yeah, I, he's exceeding my expectations. Gotcha. I want to reiterate that. It's just oh. my expectations were low. <laughs> And that I don't think gotcha. that's unreasonable. Hey, we're first place in the West. Yeah. Oh no, I, and I mean DeAndre. DeAndre is exceeding my expectations. Bones, Bones is. Um, and but I think Bones has also been so good that I think he makes. He's made a lot of. Um, he's made a lot. He's made you know. There's a there's a metaphor here for making something good out of something bad. You know, he's made a shepherd's pie out of cow pies. Like I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um but yeah we should we should probably wrap here um thanks for listening as always we appreciate you go nuggets you can find me online at Ravon hackshaw peter at bucket since 88 and the podcast at four quarter pod uh we will catch you next time and you can help slide into our dms if you ever want to give us a show